Are you looking to learn more about investing in the central Indiana real estate market? You've come to the right place. Welcome to the Indie Real Estate Investing Podcast with TNH Realty, where we discuss all things related to investing in the central Indiana real estate market. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Indie Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Tallman with TNH Realty. We are a residential property management company that services the central Indiana market. Today's guest is Jared Shore. Jared serves as the sales manager and mortgage loan originator for hometown lenders here in Noblesville. Noblesville, for those of you who don't know, is just a bit north of Indianapolis, certainly within striking range of doing oh, yeah. deals here in Indianapolis. So <laughs> sure. welcome to the show, Jared. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Sure. You know, so I ask you on here, Jared, because let's face it, things are a little weird right now in the real estate industry, mostly I think because of the the cost to get a loan has risen dramatically over the last few months. And I think a lot of investors are kind of frozen right now. They're not really sure what to do in this market. So I had you on here. Hope you can yeah, you picked, you picked a really great time to bring a loan officer on. Thank yeah, you. <laughs> I, well, I did. And it's very intentional because I think, yeah. you know, I'm hoping you can shed some light and help give sure. investors a better sense of kind of where things stand now, where things may be headed. And then bottom line, like what products are out there for people interested yeah. in, in, from the investor perspective for investing here in central Indiana. So before we dive too deep into that, why don't you give people a little background where you grew up? what schools you attended, kind of your sure. your LinkedIn profile, so to speak. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I grew up I grew up here in Noblesville. I'm, an, I'm a Noblesville guy. I've been here for you know 30 plus years, um, graduated high school from here. I, I went to school um, at Auburn University. So I actually went down there. I played baseball down there and uh, studied a little, bit of, a, a little bit of everything. Landscape horticulture was my major down there and ended up in, in finance doing, doing mortgages. So I've been I've been doing mortgages for the last um, almost ten years. So I got into um, 2013 was kind of when I when I joined the real estate world via mortgages, and I, so so seen some ups and downs. Um, you know, obviously post 2008, so never never you know got to see that, but definitely seen our our fair share of ups and downs. And you know, really started in the the refinance game um, is where we kind of started out at and moved into, um, purchase business, um, focusing. And then we kind of fe- uh, fell into this niche of real estate investors, which, which we love. So, uh, it takes a lot to know how to do a loan in general as a mortgage loan officer. And then to be able to tie it into, you know, how, how investors operate is a whole nother level of, of understanding mortgages. So it's kind of a niche we fell in love with and, and we kind of, you know, are thriving in that. Yeah. Well, thanks. For that. You know, I got to circle back for a minute. You played baseball for Auburn. Uh huh. That's a good baseball school, right? I mean, I don't know college <laughs> baseball per se, but that's it's a Southern school, big conference, yeah. big school. Yeah, for wow, sure. That's what position did you play? So I was I was a pitcher. I pitched. Wow. Yeah. And what was your go to like basketball? Oh, now you know I didn't. If you look at baseball now, those guys throw so hard. Everybody mm-hmm. throws ninety five plus. I was not that guy. I was a uh, I was a finesse guy through, you know, upper eighties, could hit 90 if I needed to, but I had, I had a good change up. Um, okay. I, I had really good change. That was my go-to. Wow. Well, that's really interesting. So, yeah. so you mentioned you found this niche, Jared, about with investors and stuff. Mm-hmm. So 
just a baseline, you don't have to give me an exact, but what, what percentage of your business do you, do you do with investors? Oh, right now, probably 75% of our business is investors. Um, oh. if not, if not more than that. So, okay. So the market, obviously as we alluded to earlier is changing. Um, give me, give us, give us someone a sense out there right now. If I'm a, you know, someone that's interested in investing in central Indiana and I say, Hey, I need a, I need a, I'm not paying cash. So I need a mortgage. Yeah. I come to you. What, what's your, what are you telling me to, like today? Sure. Well, you know, the, I think the biggest thing for, for us, what we're trying to figure out is, is what is your goal, right? What's the, what's the ultimate goal for the investor? Cause there's, there's so many products out there. Um, and so really kind of honing in on, on what the, what the long-term goal is with this property. Is, is it a, are you trying to flip it? Or are you trying to, to hold this long-term, you know, so we, we kind of, what we try to do is we try to be a one-stop shop for everybody, right? We have your hard money loans where we can do your fix and flips. So, yeah. And then on the return side of that, be able to, to refinance those. If it's a burr strategy, we have loans where you can buy turnkey, you know, so, so it really kind of depends on what the strategy is there. And, and the thing is, in the last couple of years, everybody's gotten spoiled with these low rates, right? And so it was easy. It was, you know, it w- we saw a huge switch in 2020, you know, when COVID hit, where everybody was doing conventional loans, even on investor deals, right? Because I mean, why not? The rates were crazy low. Um, and so now that the rates have, have obviously drastically gone up, we've seen almost a huge switch in our business go from conventional deals to more DSCR. LLC style loans. Um, and so that's give, where give us break that down for someone yep. who may not know what that means. Yeah. So a DSCR loan versus a conventional loan. Um, conventional loan is uh, just your standard everyday run of the mill mortgage, right? We're looking at you, we're looking at your personal income, we're taking all of your debts that you pay, including your, you know, your, what you pay on your mortgage into account. And you basically have to qualify. Um, with your personal income and debt to income ratios. A DS, and you also can only close those deals in your personal name. So you, you don't have the ability to, to close those in an LLC. A DSCR loan is more of a business purpose loan. Um, so you can close these in your LLCs. And we don't look at your, your personal income. It is strictly based off of the cash flow of the property. So this is a very, you know, rule of thumb. If, if your mortgage or if your rent that you're going to be receiving on that is more than what your mortgage payment is, that's cash flowing in our mind. So you would be able to qualify based off of that. Okay. So yeah. do you even look at their personal, do you run credit on them or anything? We, we do run credit. They would, they would sign as a guarantor on the loan, but gotcha. we, but we don't look at any of their, um, their income. The only thing we're really looking on their, on their credit per se is do they have any bankruptcies? You know, are they are they habitually late on their mortgage payment? You know, things like that. Um, right. But but we're not taking any of their debts per se into into account. Okay, so if I come to you and I want to go conventional, um, tell me what my credit score would need to be today, and then tell yeah. me what kind of interest rate based on twenty year, <laughs> sure. thirty year AM or whatever you're you're offering. Yeah, yeah. So conventional loan, you know, rule of thumb, 640 and higher credit score will get you into the ballgame. Um, you know, you're going to anything, anything below 700, um, you know, you're going to have a hard time getting a really, really great rate on that. 
Um, so obviously the higher score, the higher credit score, the better, the better deal you're going to be getting on that, but 640 will get you in the playing field. Um, and there's no limitations, you know, on loan to values or anything like that based on credit score on a conventional loan. The credit score, whew, um, you know, th that this is where it gets interesting in this market, but, uh, you know, you're, you're definitely looking at probably seven and a half plus, um, on interest any, rate, you're saying, interest right? rate. Yeah. Oh, on okay. any, any kind of interest rate. And, and honestly, regardless of credit score right now, you're, that's probably going to come with some sort of points involved um, just to get, you know, on the rate sheet, if you will. Uh, it's just it, everything costs more right now. Um, and there's no such thing as, you know, a par rate and a par rate um, in the mortgage world is where it doesn't cost you anything in, from a points perspective to get that rate. It's what you qualify for. So there's the par rate. And then if you want to buy it down, if you've, if you've ever heard of that phrase, you can buy your mortgage interest rate down by paying a little bit of interest up front. And in return, the, the, the lender is going to give you a lower interest rate. Um, so it usually makes sense long term. However, in this market, there's no such thing as a par rate. There's everything's coming with some sort of points. Well, so you said seven and what, what was that again? Right, seven and a half plus. Um, and we've been, yeah, we've been seeing a lot of 7.625. And, and just to put that into comparison, the average right now, you know, as of as of this week, uh, what is what is today, October twenty first, whatever mm -hmm. today is, um, the average primary resident, you know, non investor um, loan conventional is seven percent. So a seven percent interest rate on a primary um, loan. So seven point six two five, seven and a half, wherever that ends up. It isn't that bad comparatively. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not that right. You're right. Um, it feels awful because where we've seen rates in the past. But... Yeah. So January 1 of this year, what were, I mean, I know you can't go oh, back in history and remember all probably, that. Probably we, we were in the fours. In the fours. In the fours. Yeah. Rate, okay. Rates have gone up almost 300 bips or 3% this year. Okay. All right. That, that puts it in context. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, you brought up a point about putting it in your personal name and, you know, when, we started building Scott and I, my business partner and I started building our business. We put everything in our names because mm -hmm. we got more favor we got favorable terms that way. But I remember like the mortgage laws are changing so quickly. And back then, and this was 2000, 2005, or, you know, between 2000, 2005, how many, how many mortgages can I have in my personal name today? Yeah. Um, typically 10, about 10, 10, 10, 10 okay. in your personal name. There are some, I've, I've seen some out there, um, some lenders that are allowing up to 15 now. And, and my guess is maybe somewhere down the road, Fannie and Freddie will allow for more. Um, right. Uh, who knows? But, but for right now, 10, 10 is the max. Okay. Yeah. It used to be all over the place. It was three, it was five, it was seven, it was yeah. 10, then it was three. I mean, I just remember it going back and forth rapidly Yeah. within a few months. Um, and then that was, that was, uh, like you mentioned, Freddie and Fannie. Um, if you went portfolio with a lender, then that changed yeah. things, but they typically would want a, a commercial loan at that point. Yep. But so, okay, well that sets the stage for the, the, uh, or sets the table, I guess, for the conventional loans. If I want to buy a property, in my LLC, um, based on cash flow, what kind of my what kind of terms am I looking at there? Yeah, Th these these get a little interesting because these don't follow any you know Fannie Freddie rules. Um, in the t most of ours, almost ninety percent of ours are are thirty year fixed rates. Um, and, and this 
in this market, it's very interesting, right? Um, you know, we just talked about par rates and what a par rate is. You'll actually see par rates on DSCR loans um, where, you know, you may end up with the same rate or a slightly higher rate um, than what you would on a conventional loan with, without the cost of getting that, that rate. So if, if you compare these side by side just on rates and fees, you're like, well, look, man, that, that, uh, that DSCR loan looks pretty attractive right now compared to a conventional loan. There's a catch. Um, because conventional loans do not have prepayment penalties, right? Whereas DSCR loans do have prepayment penalties. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the whole strategy right now, a lot of people, they're like, well, hey, let's, let's go ahead and knock these, these deals out, even though they're higher rates assuming that rates potentially will go down over the next you know year or a couple of years and we'll just refinance out of it and, and that's that's a great strategy you, you do have to take into consideration though that if you are doing a DSCR loan with the strategy of refinancing you may get hit with a prepayment penalty so my the way I look at it is DSCR loans are hitting you on the back end with these prepayment penalties, whereas conventional loans know you're going to refinance too sometime in the next couple of years, and lenders are kind of getting their their share the of it up front. So, yeah. um, so you kind of have to look at that and take that into consideration. If it is a long term hold, you're not going to touch it for three to five years. You know, the prepayment penalty probably doesn't even come into play for you. But if you are planning on refinancing a DSCR loan in the next year to two. You just have to you just have to make sure you're very aware of what those prepayment penalties are, right? But but most of them are thirty year fixed. Um, we know cash flow is hard right now with higher mm-hmm. interest rates. So there's some new new style loans. You know, you, you hear of ARM loans, right? Adjustable rate mortgages. Those are still they're still not pricing out um, favorably right now. But there are some some weird loans like a forty year interest only loan, right? Um, for investors. And these, we've seen a lot of interest in these right now. It's a 10-year interest-only loan. It's a fixed rate. Um, and then after 10 years, it turns into a 30-year, um, you know, just amortized loan over 30 years. The assumption there is you're not going to keep that loan for 40 years. You're going to refinance it at some point in those 10 years. But during that time, you're going to be able to cash flow um, and, you know, make some money off of that. Wow. That's yeah, when I talked to you last week, um, you brought that up. I had never heard of it. I mean, that's just something that was so foreign to me. Um, when did that start? 40-year amortization? They they started coming out with them probably in the last year, um, but the rates were, were so good over the last year. I guess I should say late last year, early this year that, uh, and even, even into the summer of this year, the, the 40-year interest only just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but now that rates are, you know, just, they're just so high compared to what we've seen that like we ran one where, and, and you are going to take a slightly higher and usually a quarter point higher, um, on those than what okay. you would on a 30 year fixed, but with the amortization, the way it is, even with a quarter point higher, the one we ran, um, the other way, it's, it's almost a $200 difference. Um, and obviously the loan amount is going to dictate some of that, but the one we ran was about a $200 difference in payment per month. Mm. So yeah. the way it amortized. Okay. So it's not necessarily a, a great way to save or to gain cash flow necessarily um, because your rates are typically going to kind of wash all that out in some ways. Yeah. 
Well, no, no, and well, the whole point, I guess, is to gain cash flow per mm-hmm. month. Um, now you're not going to gain, um, I guess, equity per se right. because you're not paying that loan down. Now you will, obviously, if, assuming that the housing market still appreciates a little bit, even mm-hmm. though it may slow down from what we've seen. Um, but yeah, you'll you'll save you'll save some money per month um, on your mortgage, which then in turn, you know, gains you a little bit extra um, in cash flow per month. Okay. I'm, I guess I misunderstood what you said. So you're saying that the 40-year mortgage, the interest rate is higher. It's a slightly still... higher rate, but because the way it amortizes okay. out, you're your, gonna save... your monthly payment's going to be lower. Correct. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Yeah, I got you now. I, I think I misunderstood you before. So, okay. That makes sense to me now. So yep. but yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's just, uh, I'm going to guess there's some people out there that have never heard of that. Um, <laughs> it is an interesting product, but you're right. If you're looking to gain equity and do that pay down, you're just going to be a, yeah. a slower road. That's for yeah. sure. You know, and, and, and to be fair, it's not a great loan. I mean, I would never advise somebody <laughs> like in a normal market, Hey, you should do a 40 year interest only loan. Right? right. That is, that is not, um, uh, you know, and it, I guess it depends again on what your, what your strategy is. It's a great deal. If you're trying to cash flow a little bit more, it's not the greatest deal if you're trying to pay your loan off um, anytime soon. So um, you know, again, I think it's just making sure you know what your business model is and does that loan fit into it um, at that point. Right. Okay. Well, great. So if I'm listening to this podcast, you mentioned it's October 21st, 2022, and I'm listening to this podcast in, let's say January of 2023, and you quoted seven and a half percent today. Is that a good rate in January, 2023, or what, what are your, what are your, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, man, it, people that are predicting rates right now, um, I don't envy them at all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're just, there's so many things you have to get right. Um, to, to kind of figure out where, where the, where the market's going. Right. Um, I, I'm no expert in that by any means. I think from what I've read, I think it would probably be a pretty good rate right now um, if we're mm-hmm. comparing it to January. I, I do think we'll probably see rates either stay where they're at or maybe trickle up even a little bit higher than where we're at right now. Um, and then, you know, maybe end of quarter one going into quarter two next year. I, I hope, <laughs> I hope we start to see rates go back down. Um, and I don't think we'll ever see them in the fours. And, and like that for investment deals again, but I think fives and sixes would be a, a really good um, goal for us. I, that's where I'd like to see rates get back to is, you know, doing mid fives and sixes for investment properties. Okay. So w- when that happens, I don't know. I mean, you know, we've got this lingering recession. We've got the feds, um, you know, raising rates. We've got war going on. Um, you know, just, there's so much uncertainty, I guess, right now. Yeah. Do you think we'll hit 10%? I've, well, I can tell you, I've seen 10% rates, um, for DSCR loans with, with lower credit scores. Um, I've seen some 10% on the rate sheet. Um, you know, those are, those are still kind of in the, the high sevens, low eights for, for most people, but I have seen, I have seen 10 start to hit the, hit the board. Wow. Okay. So talk about your business a little bit here. And, you know, back before this year, you were probably doing tons of loans and there was a lot of homes being bought from by investors. And, you know, we're seeing it here. I, 
I was talking to our brokerage yesterday and I said, you know, I signed three price reductions, like amendment to purchase agreements this, this last yeah. over the weekend. And then last couple of days here. And I don't remember signing one. I was like, it feels like a year ago, you know, I mean, it's been so long. So we've had to yeah. reduce it. So prices are coming down. Um, people are a little shy about buying homes, obviously with interest rates the way they are. How has your business had to adjust? What are your conversations like with investors today on the buy yeah, side? Yeah. Um, obviously rate rate's a huge, a huge topic of conversation, right? It, it rates are just kind of are what they are, but they're important to look at. But what we've kind of, you know, it's a cliche um kind of quote, but it's it's marry the marry the property and you can divorce the rate later, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think there's a lot of opportunity out there right now because the, some of the comp- people are backing out of the market to buy. So the competition level has, has drastically reduced, which gives a lot of people an opportunity to go snag a deal, um, right. especially under value. You know, you're not having to pay 20, 30 plus thousand dollars over asking just to, to get your foot in the door. Um, so yeah, we've seen a lot of um, under, I don't want to say undervalued, but under um, under list offers and mm-hmm. getting them accepted, even with sell, you know, seller concessions too, on top of that. I haven't seen seller concessions in the right. last couple of years at all. And we've seen, <laughs> seen several in the last few weeks. So um, yeah, it gives an opportunity to, to go in and snag a property and, you know, even, even with the higher rates, um, I, I think being able to get that property at a lower price point than what you would have with a lower rate at a higher price point, mm-hmm. you know, your, your, your cash flow is going to be roughly the same, you know, in, in this market. So yeah, get as many properties as you can is what I kind of talk to people. If you have the opportunity, um, make sure obviously you're not, you're not losing everything on it, but if you can get a property that still cash flows in this market, just think about how much it's going to cash flow when the rates go down and you're able to refinance. And even the, when you refinance, lower that payment, your property value is still going up. So even if you're on one of those, you know, wonky 40 year interest only where your mortgage payment's just staying here, that property value is still going to go up. You're still building equity in that property. So, um, you know, it should still be a, a you know, you're going to win one way or the other. Right. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a good point. I think, you know, we're seeing prices come down. Um, it's going to, it's going to allow people to maybe pay a higher rate and still come out from a cash flow, maybe net neutral when it's all said and done. Um, but I, I think there's some interesting things in the market with rent too, because, you mm -hmm. know, what's happening is these people that now may not be able to afford a, a a primary residence home, they got to live somewhere. (laughs) So, you know, rent, rent is, uh, is probably, going to be more attractive to a lot of people right now than, um, than buying, even though, you know, us as mortgage lenders, we'd love to tell everybody that buying is, is a better option than renting. Um, but then, right. you know, and, and a lot of times it's not. So, um, you know, it kind of depends on the person. So there's a lot of opportunity for rent out there. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, rents have, they, we, I just look, we're reviewing some numbers. We have a, a blog coming, we do a quarterly blog about rental statistics um, just kind of summarize central Indiana and, you know, rents broke yet another record in quarter three of 2022, um, here in Indianapolis or, and that this is stuff through the MLS system, right. Yeah. Our BLC, uh, um, 
So, you know, we can't get every Joe that puts a for rent sign in his yard. We don't, we can't get that data, but we, but what we can do is just track trends through the VLC to give us some, some baselines of things. And yeah, we set another record for rents. Um, I think they're up over a hundred dollars from this time last year wow. per month. Yeah. So we'll see how that plays out. We've seen some slowing in the rental market. Sure. It, it always happens in the fourth quarter. It's a natural thing we, we deal with. But what we're seeing, because rents have went up so high, the people, tenants are getting sticker shock. So instead of moving, yeah. they're just trying to negotiate a better rate to renew. Um, and they're not probably buying because what they could afford when they signed that lease a year ago, they can't afford today yeah. just because the rates are different. So what are, what are your thoughts um, going into next year on, especially here in the local market, the Airbnb market? What, what do, you, do you think that's still going to be a hot, hot topic? Or do you, you know, I am. Down? I am not the guy to talk about the short-term rentals. We don't do it. We have some yeah. clients that do it. Talked to a guy who used to work for us last week. Um, he's kind of into it now. I just, to me, if I'll say this, if I'm a landlord um, and I self-manage, which most landlords self-manage, I think it's still over 60% of landlords in America self-manage. Airbnb would be a difficult thing for me to do because it's so constant. But if you've got a good manager, that makes it easier. Right? Yeah. So you put that, yeah. put that burden on them. But I, to answer your question more directly, I don't have a sense of it because I just, we're not involved with it. We've talked about it as a company. Do we want to get into it? Um, haven't had a lot of like, I won't say the word pressure, but a lot of like push from some of our clients to do it. Some of us ask, you know, some of our clients have sure. asked us about it. Just had a client we picked up just very recently. This actually last week we picked them up and have a nice portfolio when um, one of them was a potential for an Airbnb and they decided against it. They just said they liked the stability of a long-term renter in there. But yeah. that's just one person, one opinion. Um, what are you saying? I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts? You know, we, if you would have asked me a couple of years ago, if I thought the indie market, especially, and even the North side, like Hamilton County mm-hmm. um, was a great Airbnb market. I would tell you you're crazy, but uh, it, it's, it blows my mind how many clients we have that we do Airbnb lending um, for. Really? So yeah, it's, it's a kind of a niche product we do. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting because, you know, that was something we didn't have the ability to do. And, uh, and now we do, and it's kind of taken off from a lending standpoint. Right. So you have a specialized product, I'm sure with insurances or I'm, just, or I'm sure insurances are yeah. required differently and things like no, that. No, it's, it's more so the way we count it's, it's a hundred percent a DSCR loan. Okay. Um, I guess you could do it as a conventional loan because as long as you're, you know, we're not, we don't really care about the rents or anything at that point. Um, as long as you, as long as your income qualifies, but from a DSCR standpoint, if you don't have a history of Airbnb rent on that property, we would just use the long-term rent on the property um, from an appraisal um, standpoint. They'll give us the market rent. And as long as your market rent covers your mortgage, then you can use it as an Airbnb. Okay. Because you assume, obviously, in a short-term it, rental yeah. that you're going to beat a normal market you rent. Would That's the only so. reason you do it. You would hope so. <laughs> Right, and I guess the the other assumption is if if it's uh, if it turns out to be a bad Airbnb, you're going to turn it into a long term rental and and put somebody in right. there with with a rent. So yeah, um, yeah, you move out your furniture and you and yeah, yeah, you just go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I guess it's easy to convert 
it's probably easier to convert into a long-term rental than the opposite because Correct. you have a lot more things to consider uh, yep. when you convert it to a short-term rental. So, okay. So I'm going to flip it over here. What you kind of talked about the advice that you're giving real estate investors today on the buy side that, you know, I liked, I liked what you said about, you know, you, you marry the property, but you can divorce <laughs> the rate or, you know, something like that. I like that. Um, do you talk to many sellers? I mean, do you have just clients that are like, Hey, I, you know, I, I did this loan with you four or five years ago and I, I really need to sell it, but I'm not sure this is the right time to sell it. I can tell you this, our clients have backed off selling like a lot. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's because the stock market has not been great either. And they're like, what am I going to do with this money? I mean, they're still all sitting on a ton of equity if they bought yeah. three or four years, five years ago. But do you, do you talk to sellers much at all and, and, and offer advice that way? So we, we don't talk to a ton of sellers. If, if we talk to a seller, they're usually coming to us to get pre-approved to buy like their next house. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, we have this current property that, that they have on hand that we have to kind of deal with. And we've had a lot of people back out from there because, you know, they're the, the hard part for them is why would I sell a property right now where I've got, you know, maybe a three or 4% interest rate on, and I'm going to go buy another property that's now overinflated from the, you know, the last time right. we bought at a seven plus percent interest right. rate and increase, you know, so their buying power has, has drastically reduced. Um, you know, so it, it's a hard conversation. There's usually the people that we talk to that are sellers is a really um, specific reason they're moving, um, whether they're, you know, transferring jobs or something like that. I don't see a whole lot of people that are just moving to move. Right. right now. Right. So, um, okay. but, but to answer your question, no, we don't, we don't talk to a ton of sellers. Gotcha. So appraisals, let's talk about appraisals for a little bit. Um, you know, back when it was, the market was flaming hot, you know, you were talking about seller concessions now, where there are all these buyer concessions yeah. back, back in the day, with, <laughs> you know, appraisal gap coverage and just we'll buy it under any circumstances, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, now that things have cooled a bit, are you running, are you still seeing appraisal issues, whether it be on a new purchase or even refis? Um, more so on refis. Um, refis are a lot. I, I do not envy appraisals, appraisers at all um, mm -hmm. that have to go out and do these appraisals right now. Uh, purchases are a lot easier because, you know, we're giving them the purchase agreement. They know what the, the purchase price is. They've got a target to shoot for. Um you know, and so, so they know what the number is. Um, and usually if they, if that number is going to come in low, um, you know, there's a conversation around that, or at least they're, they know that it's going to come in low. Whereas a refinance, we're just saying, Hey, go appraise this property. <laughs> right. right. And, and they don't know, they don't know anything about the deal. They don't know, um, you know, they're just going out and giving us their, their honest opinion about it. And so where I, I guess where we see quote unquote low appraisals isn't really necessary. I, I don't really, some, some appraisals that we get are just, in fact, we had one last week that came in 30 or 40 grand low. We disputed it and it came back where we needed it to. Um, so there is a dispute process that right. you can go through, but um, usually a low appraisal on a refinance assuming it's a good appraisal means one of two things, in my opinion, that the borrower, and in our case, usually the investor 
had a really inflated um, number in his mind, his or her mind about what that property should appraise for. They're looking at comps that that aren't really comps. You know, they're just it's the house down the road that sold for X number of dollars, and now they think that their house should also sell for that, even though it may be completely different style property. So it's usually it's usually the investor not a hundred percent understanding what their property should appraise for, mm. which is why I always tell people you got to have a good team around you. Um, you got to have a good real estate agent, even on a refinance. You need a good real estate agent that can give you that good advice. Don't don't take a wholesaler's word for what your ARV is going to be on a property. I see so many people get into trouble. Well, this, you know, so and so wholesaler told me that if I put this much work into a property, it's going to appraise for for X number of dollars. Um, but we have seen a slowdown in in appraised values, if you will. Um, mm. You know, so I don't know. It's a complicated question because there's just so much that goes into an appraisal. Um, I can tell you that most appraisals, wherever it comes back is right, <laughs> you know, for whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the hard part with appraisal. You can have two or three appraisals done with two or three different values and justify probably all three values that are given. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a, it's not necessarily a science. There's some art to it. And, you know, I've been on the bad end of an appraisal on homes that we've sold. And it's like, you know, it's like, well, but what about this? You know, so it's, yeah. you, you go back and forth and yeah, we've, we've won some and just like you mentioned, there's a dispute process you can go through, but um, you know, a lot of times those don't work out either. They kind yeah. of hold firm to where they are. So, yeah, I always tell people, you know, the two pieces of advice I give, especially on refinances purchases too, but um, give the appraiser a list of everything you've done to that property. Right. Um, you know, especially with the rehab, um, that way they're comparing your property to better properties um, mm-hmm. if you've updated it. And, you know, it depends on which appraiser you talk to, but, um, you know, if you have a, a list of comparables that you think are good comparables, give that to the appraiser up front too, um, because that now you're giving, instead of doing it on the back end as a dispute, you're getting on the same page with the appraiser at the beginning. And, it, you know, they may use those comps, they may not, but at least... Um, you know, at least get you on the same page. And if you, if they can't use them, they're going to tell you why they, they, they didn't, you know, take those into consideration. Okay. So just a quite, are you, when you, you're still doing refi, I mean, are those based off the refis where you said you, you were um, earlier in the show, you said something about you offer loans for rehab and then you can BRR and, you know, move uh-huh. into a, so are those, cause I can't imagine many people are just doing refis. Oh, uh, we, the, the refi industry, um, as, has gone down, you know, right. I, I, we haven't seen somebody call in and be like, Hey, we'd like to lower our interest rate, you know, and do a, just a regular refinance. Right. <laughs> that's, that's not a thing anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and if they are lowering their interest rate in this market, it means they haven't refied since probably, you know, mid eighties, mid nineties. So, um, <laughs> Got one of those 40 year mortgages. <laughs> They missed the boat. Yeah. Um, no. So, I mean, the, you know, every once in a while we'll get the the refinance to take some cash out of their property, do a, right. do a home improvement project or something like that, um, pay off some debt. Um, but most of our refinances we're doing right now are, you know, Burr strategy. We did a rehab and now we, we need to get out of it. Right. Okay. Or get out of kind of a hard money, high interest rate loan. Yeah. So bottom lining it, I mean, I know you're, you're a mortgage guy 
So you obviously have interest in doing more loans, but your honest opinion about the market, I mean, you, you're telling people, Hey, buy it. You can always get a, you know, a better loan down the road, but, but how is that message resonating? How are you, you know, are, are, I'm assuming you're seeing a drop in business. Everybody probably has, but are you still seeing a steady stream of people that are like, Hey, look, I'm, I'm going to buy, I found a good deal. This yeah. is a long-term thing for me. And I, I just want to, I want to buy this property. Yep. yep. Um, I mean, we've seen, we've seen our share of business pass on deals too, that they, you know, may have been under contract too, because the rates are mm-hmm. um, different and their numbers that they originally looked at are different. Um, but, you know, it's, here's, here's, I guess, a, a bigger analysis on why I think it's important to buy now instead of wait, because there's going to be this kind of ebbs and flow of, of price values and rates. Because the minute these rates go back down, guess what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. There's going to be an influx of buyers that come back. And now we're in a competitive market again, which is going to drive house values back up. Okay. And so it, you know, most investors that we deal with are numbers people. <laughs> at least, at least mm-hmm. they think they're numbers people, but most people are, are numbers person. So if you do the math on this, if you buy now at a lower price point with a higher interest rate, as opposed to waiting down the road, now all of a sudden the price points may be a little higher, your interest rate may be lower, your, your payment is going to be essentially the same, right? right. Except there's one difference in that scenario is, is your out-of-pocket that you're going to pay. Because now you're, you're putting a down payment on a higher priced home, which now you have more money out of your pocket. So it makes your return on investment um, you know, less um, by waiting for that lower interest rate. Right. Yeah. You know, you said you got into this, you said 2013. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So we started buying in 2000 and 2007 hit 2007 is when it really started hitting, you know, hitting hard. And in 2008, 2010, and it was the same thing. We were, everyone was paralyzed because it's like the market was going down foreclosures were going through the roof. Yep. And it's like, why would I want to buy into this weakness? Well, I wish I had, you know, in hindsight, it's always 2020, but we bought our homes. Most of our rentals were bought between 2000 and 2005. Now we were doing a ton of flipping in those days because sheriff sales were huge. Yeah, The opportunities were, were great. And there were still buyers as long as condition was really, really important back then because no one had any money to, to buy a home that needed work. So people would buy homes that were freshly rehab, which we could offer, but we didn't add to our rental inventory back then. And that is a regret. And so, you know, look, I'm 50 now and I'm like, do I want to buy many more rental properties? Really? You know, what's my, <laughs> what's my time frame here, but we're talking about it. And yeah. it's kind of exciting because I think there are opportunities out there to buy now. Yep. And I don't, I don't want to make the same mistake twice because I think we missed a great buying opportunity back there. Sure. And I think we're starting to, I don't think it's here exactly yet. I don't think there's like all these tremendous deals yet because sellers are going to have to adjust. Sellers yep. are going to have to be more reasonable. And you're seeing that through price reductions and things like that. We've got some examples of homes we bought for investors like six, let's say 12 months ago that are, they're now selling for a lot less, but I think generally speaking, we're going to have to, sellers are going to have to, to loosen yeah. up a little bit before those really good deals come out. We, we've seen a lot of first-time homebuyers um, be mm-hmm. able to get homes in this market that they weren't able to get 
um, you know, in the last several months. So, and, and it's because sellers are allowing them <laughs> to buy right. these homes. There's not as much competition. So, right. yeah, it's, I think it's a great time. I think it's a great time to buy. Um, you know, it's not the best time. You know, again, if your analytics are just looking at interest rates, it's a terrible time to buy. Right. Mm-hmm. But right. Uh, there's there's more to it than interest rates for sure. Yeah. Right. Well, Jared, hey, this has been great. I thank you for joining me. Um, yeah, if someone it. wants to connect with you, um, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, um, two ways. Um, we can always call my cell, um, 317-931-9759. Um, get a hold of me via email. It's jared.shore at htlenders.com. Um, and follow, follow me on social media, right. <laughs> all that fun stuff. So um, yeah, it's anyway. J-A- J A R E D. I think Jared yep, spelled it in different ways, but J A R E D. Mine's the right way. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. So I did have one other thing for you, but tell me, I just got some quick questions for you. Yeah. That for people that aren't like part of uh, or don't live here, which most of our listeners probably do not live yeah. in central Indiana. What's your favorite restaurant here in central Indiana? Oh, man. That's a tough one. Um, my favorite restaurant, whew, I love Kobayashi. Um, Kobayashi okay. is a, a little, uh, or Thai kitchen, Thai kitchen in, in Fishers at 116th and Allisonville is really, really good. Yeah. Um, um, I love Thai food. So, um, yeah, we had, we had Thai last Friday and, and there's a new, uh, relatively new spot that opened up on Mass Ave that we're probably going to try this weekend. It's too, it's, yeah. it's good. Indy, so. in, in Indy, um, I love Bakersfield um, down on Mass oh, yeah. Ave. Bakersfield's tacos. great if you like some tacos. Yeah, yeah. Favorite bar, if you imbibe there, what, what's your favorite Ooh. bar? So in, in Noblesville, um, we I love SIDS. SIDS is a, an old school bar right on the square in Noblesville. SIDS? It's in SIDS, S-Y-D-S. Okay. Um, I mean, it is it is nothing to write home about, but it is it is an awesome place. All right. old old school place all right so you do you live in noblesville uh-huh yeah okay so if you could live anywhere in central indiana and price was not a factor where would you live central indiana i mean i man i'm i'd, I'd probably say noblesville i love noblesville, noblesville. yeah it's hamilton uh county. hamilton county it's you know there's you're kind of right here you can get to uh, get to anywhere um quick um mm-hmm. there's a lot of a lot of good restaurants around here um yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, we hope everyone's picked up some information that'll help them in their investing. And um, we'll be back next month with another podcast. Jared, thanks so much again. Well, thanks, Jeremy. You, you've done. And in the meantime, we encourage you to share this podcast with your investing friends, leave us a review, and don't hesitate to reach out to us if you have any questions at all. Until next time, thanks so much for listening. And please stay invested in your investment.